It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast, and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. It is the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. That complete <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all. Let me tell you, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. But uh, yeah, it's the beginning of the Major League Baseball season in 2020 in July, a 60 game season. Here we go. We're off and running. Uh, only two games on the Major League Baseball slate today. It is the Yankees at the Nationals, four o'clock Pacific time, and the Giants at the Dodgers, uh, seven o'clock Pacific time. So. Those are the only two games uh, on ESPN, I believe, today. And then tomorrow on Friday, there will be an entire slate of uh, games. And, you know, if you haven't looked at the Major League Baseball schedule yet, it, it is definitely different. There's uh, not only is it very regionally based, of course, and, you know, the the optics and everything with that, but uh, you get a lot of two-game series. You get some four games in there. It's It's like it seems like it's unbalanced, but it's balanced. It's kind of hard to say. But anyway... Uh, there will be baseball here in the Los Angeles area at Dodger Stadium. Empty, of course, as there will be at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. Uh, I can't believe it's finally here. The fact that we are playing some sports, it's uh, it's pretty crazy to think about it. Like uh, all the um, all the delaying, all the uh, things that have been put on hold the past few months. And uh, I guess we can still call it America's pastime, can we? Can we still, even though uh, baseball players are... Starting to kneel now in the American flag. I don't know. I'll stay out of it. I know. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, sports is getting very political these days, and I'm sure we will have lots to talk about in the very near future. But I will, uh, I'll avoid it today, and we'll just talk about how great it is to have Major League Baseball back, and then soon after that, we'll have NBA and NHL, and then I'm hopeful that in a couple months here, we're watching NFL football. But uh, I know some of you out there. Uh, even people who don't listen to this show are, are pretty upset about some of the things that are going on in pro sports. So we'll see. I am curious over the next few months how the television ratings are with a lot of sports. If what is kind of the bigger tug of war here? Is it people that have been locked up and quarantined and starving for sports? Or is it people that are tired about some of the things that are going on and they're going to tune out? I don't know. I, I really, if I was a betting man, I don't know which side I would take there. But uh, we will see. Time will tell. Uh, the, the one thing is, though, that uh, baseball is back officially. The games start to count today. A very quick 60-game season. I'm sure it will be over before you know it. Uh, with it being baseball season starting in late July, again, still weird to say, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about baseball. You know, baseball is, <laughs> baseball is weird. It's, it's really weird. Think about it. Really, really think about it. I, I have this conversation with my friend Todd Carson sometimes when we talked about baseball. And I think he was trying to get me to be more of a baseball guy. And I was, I turned into a little bit more of a baseball guy, obviously umpired a lot, 
And that became kind of my main sport or did. And, but baseball is just weird. I have this conversation with my dad all the time. I'm like, dad, baseball is just different. Okay. There's no, there's no periods. There's no quarters. Uh, it, they're, they're innings and there's nine of them. It nine seems kind of odd uh, as an umpire. I wish kind of sometimes games were only five innings because <laughs> uh, nine innings is just odd. Uh, uh, taking turns. Uh, think about it. Uh, you, we're throwing this hard, round projectile through an imaginary strike zone. And yeah, you can put all the uh, cameras and K zone and computerized strike zone you want. Uh, it's still not seen by anyone except the viewers and, and the, uh, the umpires, the, the best in the world who do it, do a pretty darn good job. Uh, very high percentages. And yeah, some of you guys may say, man, when they, how could they miss that? Uh, it's way harder than you think. Let me tell you, Colin balls and strikes, uh, at that level, and uh, they are very good at it. Uh, I am completely against a computerized strike zone, but that's an entirely different show. Um, but yeah, you throw this baseball, this hard baseball, and you throw it through this imaginary box, and this guy has to swing at it with not a like square or flat stick. It's this round stick, and he's got to square up the ball and, and hit it out there. The defense has possession of the ball. I think it's the only sport to my knowledge that the defense has possession of the ball. And uh, that's, that's very unique about it. Right. Um, uh, running the bases, sliding. Think about it as a sport where you dive on the ground, like on purpose to try to, to try to get safe, to try to score. Uh, yeah. You can dive in the end zone in football, but, uh, or, you know, uh, dive for a loose ball in, in basketball or something. But, but man, like, physically like trying to maneuver, get, do a slide around someone. Uh, it's, it's odd. I mean, all these things in baseball, four balls, three strikes. Why wasn't it three and three or four and four, uh, no clock in baseball. Um, think about it. Every time that this, the, the inning is, um, retired, the side is retired teams take the field and what do they do? They warm up. Can you imagine? Okay. It's time for the, uh, LA Rams. They go on offense after receiving the punt. And they, they, they stand there for a few minutes throwing passes and stretching and everything before they, they take the field. Ironically, they kind of do that, that. The football teams do kind of do that anyway because of the TV commercials and such. But in baseball, it's just like built into, yeah, you uh, go out there, warm up, get ready, get stretched. It's just kind of funny. Uh, think about the, the like a football field, a basketball court. Those are all the same size. And I know a baseball diamond is the same size, but think of all the different out uh, outfield fencing there is. Think of all like Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, uh, Petco Park. All those stadiums are different as far as the home run distance, the height of the walls. I mean, baseball, there's like, it, it's the only sport where there's all these like unwritten rules, right? And, and then- Ironically, you don't have the same like outline, <laughs> the same outline in the outfield. I mean, it's just it's just funny. You got uh, dugouts where everyone just kind of sitting around, right? Uh, tobacco, pine tar. Uh, you have ejections in baseball more than any other sport because there is no technical foul, there is no fifteen yard penalty. It's just hey, uh, you know, you get managers who quote unquote standing up for their guys and getting ejected. It's just funny. It's very different. I love the history of baseball. I love the game itself, all the little things that uh, are going on that maybe you don't notice or um, uh, know that are going on. 
but baseball is a special game. And I know it's frustrating and at times it's boring. Uh, I, I will say, man, watching it without fans and, and the cardboard cutouts, those don't count. The, the, the sound noise that coming into the speakers, that doesn't count. Uh, it definitely makes, I think, what some people view as a boring game into more boring. And it's not for me because I can appreciate everything that's going on. But I, I, I'm curious how the TV ratings go here because a lot of people, they always say baseball is the one sport that they can't watch on television. They need to be there. And I think there's some truth to that. You can watch basketball, football, hockey, you know, on television, and it's always better. Every sport's better live, right? It's better to be there. But baseball really is. I mean, that's another thing. Foul balls into the crowd. People just sitting in the stands. Oh, here comes a ball. Like, and it can hit you and hurt you. And uh, players dive into the stands sometimes. I mean, you just, you know, you don't see this stuff in other sports. And I'm happy baseball's back, but it's really made me think about how weird the game truly is. You know, it's America's pastime, but it's played all over the world. Uh, it's played in Japan. It's played in the Dominican Republic, uh, Venezuela, Mexico. Uh, it, it's it's a game that uh, I think everybody recognizes and uh, everyone appreciates in their own way. I know I have. I grew up uh, liking baseball as a kid, but then my kind of teenage years did not like it that much. Compared to the other sports, I really didn't. And then I stopped playing it. And I started to like it, which is kind of weird. That's totally backwards. I think usually you start playing a sport and you really fall in love with it. Well, for me, it was when it all ended. So uh, baseball is an interesting romance, I think, for most people. Every fan has their own story as to why they appreciate the game, why they think it is uh, why it's special to them. I mean – father and sons and bringing your glove and this and that. And, and it's going to be so weird without fans and, and every sport is, we're just something we're going to have to get used to, um, you know, but it's here. If I don't know if it's going to, we're going to complete the season or not, but uh, it's nice to know that at least they're trying, we're going to try to play here and uh, man, 60 games. That's just so quick. I mean, we'll be talking about playoffs in the world series before you know it. I hope, right. If, as long as everything gets played, that's what I'm hopeful of. Uh, this this virus has, has done so many things to so many people, and it's uh, you know it's taken away sports. And I know sports aren't that important, uh, but I know a lot of people too are, are really itching for it. And I will say this: my last thing I'll say about baseball in this 60 game season, I really do believe because of this format that it, that it is anyone's anyone's trophy. It really is. Uh, I think all bets are off here. Because you're taking and making this 60-game season. Baseball, at least at that level, Major League Baseball, is not meant to be played that way. It's a game of streaks, right? Some people get hot early, hot late. Well, uh, because of the shortness of the season, uh, you better get hot fast and stay hot, right? So uh, you can get behind, uh, you know, get behind five games, ten games, and all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, there's only 20 games left, so you better make a move, right? So it's going to be interesting all these things. And again, baseball is just a weird game. I, I can't say it enough. A pitcher standing 60 feet from a, from a guy swinging a bat. And, and unfortunately you see these line drives sometimes. And uh, it, it's just odd. It's, it's an odd when you really break it down. It's a, it's a strange, strange game, but because of that, that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it special. Kids playing catch uh, in the backyard or the front yard, uh, breaking a window with a swinging a bat when they shouldn't have, uh, it's the beauty of ba- of what makes the game special, 
It's uh, one of the most beautiful parts of summer is baseball. So I am glad that uh, baseball is here. Well, again, we're going to see if it, hopefully it doesn't get too political and turn off, tune out a bunch of viewers. Uh, I know uh, I'm on, uh, there are all these leagues are on thin ice with a big sports fan like me. I never thought I would not watch sports, but uh, with some of the things going on, I, I might, I might have learned here these past few months to not watch sports and, I think a lot of other people have too. So that's one thing I do want to say about all the professional sports, especially baseball, because let's be honest, baseball in the pecking order of football and basketball there, uh, they're pro- they probably were up there in popularity at one point, but I would say they're, uh, they're a little, little behind now. And uh, I think all the sports leagues, if we're all honest, I think they're all on thin ice and they better tread lightly uh, with some of their actions and uh, with the only, Revenue really is is through television now without fans in the stands. And so they better be careful. Uh, and some people are probably rolling their eyes and saying, well, no, they're going to be fine. Well, we'll see. We will see. But it is time to play ball. We will see that today. We will see a lot more of it on Friday. And uh, baseball is back, guys. Baseball is back. Let's play ball. Well, guys, on the show today, we are joined by Dave Hong. Excuse me, David Hong, which I later found out at the very end of our interview is what he is uh, his official name is. And I don't know if he prefers it or he's just used to that or what, but I always knew him as Dave Hong, Dave Hong, Dave Hong. I worked with him at uh, Minuteman Transport for a few years, which was a trucking company. We uh, they specialize in uh, perishable commodities, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so I was in the office. One of my first jobs, uh, Dave, David was in there. He worked, um, he moved up throughout the company, did really well. We also spent some time uh, coaching each other and, uh, or coaching each other, excuse me, coaching with each other. Uh, we were coaching in the uh, junior high department. We coached, uh, the, at real Hondo prep. He was a graduate from 2001. We will get into all that. Uh, A lot of fun stories. He has, uh, been all over the world really. Well, I should say a little bit all over the world and, and definitely lived all over, uh, America, uh, really after marrying his wife, Joan, who was in the military, they've moved around, bounced around a few different places. So he'll tell you about all of that. He'll tell you about, uh, you know, his, his kind of, uh, feelings and beliefs on kind of some of the things that are going on these days around the country. And, uh, it's just a great time. It was a great time catching up with him. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I know a lot of people who know David, uh, who I think will tune in because they saw his picture and they're like, okay, what is, what is David Hong up to? What is David Hong, the the husband and the father like? And so all those questions will be answered here in the next few minutes, but first let's take a quick break and then we will get into our interview with David Hong. Okay. Joining us today is Dave Hong. He is joining us from St. Louis, Missouri. They're somewhere out there. And uh, Dave is a friend of mine. We haven't chatted in a long time. We used to coach together briefly, a coach in the junior high boys department at Real Hondo Prep. He's a Real Hondo Prep alum, as well as myself and many other guests have on this program. So we've got a lot of things to talk to Dave about, but let's welcome him first. Dave Hong, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, Dave, I know you're a busy man these days, so when you said you had an opportunity, a brief window to talk to me, I thought we'd jump all over it. So uh, thanks for putting some time aside. Uh, living out in St. Louis, Missouri, huh? What's that like? Well, you know, being around you, uh, 
you know, I, you always rub me off with the Ram, you know, with the Ram stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I, I want to go out there, hang out with the, you know, true Rams fans, you know. Um, no, but honestly, it was just a, 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 you know, a place where I could just t- settle down, raise a family, you know, away from the distractions. I mean, that might be contrary to what's going on in the city, you know, or what's going on in the news. But, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's still a quaint, uh, good little, you know, small, big town. So. Great stuff, man. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. We got to talk about all the different places you've kind of traveled and you've lived over the past few years. I mean, I still can't believe Dave Hong is a, is a husband and a father of two. I think that's awesome. It's great stuff. We're going to talk on that. Uh, we also got a lot of t- uh, stuff to talk about, about the past. You and I also had the opportunity to work together uh, at Minuteman Transportation, when uh, I was just there kind of part-time, you developed more into a full-time role there. So we have some uh, good memories of, of hanging out together and working together. Uh, but, but Dave, uh, I mean, let's, let's go back first. Uh, you started in Care Youth League in Rio Hondo Prep. And for those who don't know, that's a youth sports organization in Southern California, not too far from Pasadena. Uh, but anyway, and there's a school affiliated with it, Rio Hondo Prep, very unique school, very, uh, we're both proud alums of there, but Dave, tell me what it was like for you starting in Care Youth League. Did you just randomly uh, get your, you know, just stumble upon the, the campus one day or Rio Hondo Prep? How did it all kind of go down for you? Well, uh, I think um, my cousin, you know, my cousins were affiliated with the program. It was just like, hey, it'd be nice for some place for me to go and just play sports. Um, you know, so we, we, we joined through a referral family, you know, family referral, and it just started growing from there, you know, played, played a few years, um, ended up deciding to go to school at Rio Hondo Prep. And then, you know, uh, things just grew from there. So that's how we were, that's how we started. Interesting. And, and you were, let's see, you were two years older than me. So you would Mm -hmm. have been the class of 2001. Is that right? Correct. 2001. 2001. And Dave, you know, something that's very special at Real Hondo Prep is the football program and being uh, able to experience that uh, for, for those who've gone through it, they know exactly what we're talking about. It's just special. It's just different. Uh, you were in at a time where Rio was kind of uh, finishing out their final days in eight man football. We had a great run in the nineties there. Uh, you know, it was like five championships in six years or something like that. So let's see, 2000, uh, I had the opportunity to play up in the playoffs as a sophomore when you were a senior. And one of the things mm-hmm. I remember about you, Dave, is I believe it was the kickoff team. Real, we scored a lot, so we kicked off a lot. And you were on all the different teams. And I was just a sophomore. But every so often, you'd, you had the ability to say, hey, Matt, I'm taking this one out. Taking this one off. Go in. You're on the kickoff team. So I got to go in as a sophomore a couple times and be on the kickoff team. And what an absolute thrill for me as a sophomore, just standing there and being in a varsity playoff game. So I have, I have you to thank for all that, Dave, for all those many plays I got to get in on. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting perspective. I never thought about it that way. But no, I, I actually appreciate it. I wish I would have <laughs> given you more snaps, honestly. Um, you know, you're an eight-man. They, they run you a lot. And, you know, any time a chance, any, any to get a breather, um, I take it. But I think uh, – 
had I known you, you, you were so excited, I would have given you more snaps, to be honest. I would have given you the first one. Oh, man, I, it's, I but, picture it. Yeah. This is like yesterday. You, you get your helmet off. You wipe it down with a towel. You got a water ball in your hand. You go, Matt, Matt, take this one. I'm like, oh, right, yes. So yeah. I don't know who gave you the, the ability to make those decisions, but I got to be on the kickoff team a couple times in playoff games. An absolute blast. I think the first play I ever got to play in a varsity game was uh, we lined up for an extra point, and there was an injury or someone, someone forgot to go in. And Mr. Drain turned and he just grabbed me. He says, go in uh, and, and block on this. But I ran in there on the extra point team. I don't even think I had to touch anybody, but I made sure no one came across the line. And yeah. uh, it was a total by accident. So anyway, that's a short little connection we have, Dave, with uh, playing football together with you giving me a few reps there. Well, Dave, what, what, uh, what can you tell me about playing football at Rio? You were on that 2000 championship team as a senior. I know in 99, you guys came up a little short, but in 1998, you got to play up in the playoffs as a sophomore yourself, uh, uh, just around incredible uh, athletes and an incredible senior class, really, that was on that team. Uh, we've talked to, you know, Jason Ramos on this program. We've talked to a few different people who know a lot about those teams. But what was it like for you playing up as a sophomore and being involved uh, in a team like that in 1998? And then we'll talk about your senior year kind of a little bit after that. So, um I actually ninety eight. Um, that that was a that was a awake a, like a sort of my athletic awakening. You know, <laughs> I, I was more aware that I, I had the ability to play football. <clears throat> I wasn't just a big guy running around. Um, you know, actually, I was called up to play the year before ninety eight. Wait, so ninety nine. So ninety so ninety eight. I played with the var, with varsity so as a freshman. 99, we, you know, I played the whole playoffs as a sophomore. Um, 2000 was where we came up short. And then 01, we were able, you know, we were able to, you know, bring the championship back home. But, you know, as, as that, that sophomore year, I, it was exciting. You know, I didn't realize my potential. I didn't realize, you know, football, I could do something with football. And it just sort of um, made me realize that, um you know, sports wasn't just something you do. It was something, you know, you can be excited for, um, you know, something that you can connect with other people with. So it was, it was a very, very um, eye-opening year for me. Um, and then leading into 99, you know, I think it was a challenging time for me because, you know, because, um, you know, I, I had some great, as memorable as the championship years are, the 99, excuse me, the 99-2000 year, um, was probably my most memorable. You know, there was a lot of tips during that year. I, I was injured. I was out half the season. Um, things were a little rocky. So I think for the maturation process, um, you know, there was a, a big valley for me, but I think it was um, some something that I, I'll never forget. You know what I mean? Um, those are the times where you realize, hey, this is not what I want, or this is the struggle that we have to overcome. And I think that in terms of football, that's, that's the year I remember the most. Interesting. Yeah, I think we learn a lot by our defeats in life. Almost you learn more by some of the failures than you do the good mm -hmm. times or the successes. I think that goes for everybody. But uh, yeah, a few other, I mean, we had Steve Amon. He was on here not too long ago talking about Real Hondo prep uh, sports and athletics. And I, I do know for you that football was uh, was your favorite sport and was your sport that you excelled the most at? Uh, that's 
kind of how I feel about myself as well. But tell me, Dave, uh, what if you had to sum it up, what is what is Real Hondo Prep Football? Why is it special? I mean, do you still tune in every once in a while to see how the team's doing? Uh, do you do you care at all? Or is it just something that you are glad you experienced and you know what, it was a good time, but you've kind of moved on? Or is there still that connection, uh, that feel for the program, really? So first, I would like to, I think, you know, I don't want to confuse what I say, so I want to be very clear or, you know, be confusing. Um, there, I, I do, you know, I do appreciate the live feeds that uh, I think Mr. Bray posts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, I'll, you know, I'll chime in, catch a couple snaps. Um, so I think as far as that aspect, I do care to, to, to look back and to keep up with the score, just be interested in what's going on. But honestly, um, the demands of my life don't allow me to do those things anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, I barely have enough time to watch USC football. <laughs> um, and, and you'll know, you know, based on my travel, sometimes it was difficult to watch. I have to get up super early or um, change, you know, Saturday football is on Friday, <laughs> you know, so some things, you know, so I, I learned to adjust, but um, yeah, football has always been something um, I love to follow, keep up with. Um, and I just love everything about it, you know. You know, one thing I remember about you playing football was, especially when you were up as a sophomore, I was a junior high kid playing in the band or something. You know who I remember who really cheered pretty loud for you? I don't know why this stands out to me, but I remember him standing there uh, along the fence line and just shouting out your name. Way to go, Dave Hong. And it was Dave Carson, Dave Carson Jr. And uh, I know you coached with him. You were very close with him. Uh, But I remember him specifically cheering for you, uh, specifically you, during some of the games. So, I mean, was that just, uh, was, was, what was it like working with Mr. Dave Carson? Uh, and and w- where did that kind of relationship and friendship stem from? So um, nothing but great things to say about, uh, you know, Dave Carson Jr. Um, at my time at Carrier Youth League, Rio Hondo Prep, he's always been a, a solid mentor, always looking out for me, um, always tried to, you know, um, give me advice. Uh, just great guy. Um, I, and I think the connection we made was we coached together um, and in Carrie's league uh, with the Indian club, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but the, the, the team um, sort of the Indian club in Carrie's league. Right. And so uh, Dave Carson and I, we coached for, I think, you know, about four or five years together um, with, with, uh, between the, the third and fourth grade kids, you know, for a long time. I think uh, I might have been like in junior high or high school when you were around that age too. So, I mean, Dave, Dave and I spent a lot of time together. And we also worked together, um, just side jobs. Um, he would, um, we would watch trailers. And that's how I got my gig at Minuteman. Yeah. <laughs> um, we started off watching trailers. And we spent a lot of time, you know, um, even if it was, uh, you know, when I was younger, before high school, I would hang out with him in the pet van or, you know, we go to games together and eventually swing over to where I was playing. So I think the, you know, I, I didn't realize, uh, you know, even after you bring that up that uh, Dave was such a big supporter, but it's tough to hear just because I'm not in the stands. Right. You know, and then, <laughs> but it's great. It's great to hear that, you know, when you're playing, you got people supporting you, you know, that I think that's what's great about Rihanna football is the fact that, you know, you got a lot of support. Um, you may not know that person, you may not hear it, but, you know, you know, they're supporting you. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's a special connection there when you coach with somebody and the, the kids playing on the field, obviously you're coaching with other adults and then the kids looking up to you and everything. It's just a special time, a special place. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough about the Carson family, really. Uh, some some outstanding uh, leadership from Mr. and Mrs. Carson, the, for the, the parents, but just all the kids uh, who are, you know, now adults themselves, but just incredible people. We've really had some interaction with the Carson men. You talked about your experience with Dave Carson there. Uh, and then, you know, you get into college, you get, you get into college and you're in the RHLA program where you, you then coach in the junior high program with uh, Todd Carson, another Carson. And tell me about your experiences in, in coaching with Todd and what that was like, especially working with junior high age kids. I, I think um, working with Todd, um, he he sort of instilled the sense of value um, personally, right? Um, he and that's you know what I, you know. Same thing with Todd. I I think Todd had the ability to express his appreciation really well um, to each one of his you know anyone he works with, and he actually instill value in each person um, and make you know encourage them to do more, right? Um, and I think I think. Yeah, that, that, those are great times, you know. Todd, Todd didn't care, you know, what you look like, who you look like, who you were. He, he, you know, he saw the person who you, you know, you, you are, and he sort of cultivated that, right? Um, grew that, put time into you and, um, you know, you meaning me. And, you know, obviously you, you've had experience with him, so I think you can agree. Um, and Todd, Todd had this great ability to, um, you know, put you in your lane, right? Hey, that's not acceptable. We've got a team to run, but also, Hey, you know, do your thing, man. You know, um, yeah, be great. You know, in a sense, <laughs> I, I thought, Todd, I, you know, I think Todd would say that at times, you know, just do your thing, be great. Um, but it, it was really fun working with Todd. It gave me an appreciation of value in, in life after playing sports, you know, Hey, bring that same fire, bring that same energy into even junior high kids. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was great times working with Todd. I honestly, I really appreciate it. the time that we had together, um, and and the experience that he, you know, he uh, he gave me in that sense. I think a lot of the things you're saying, I couldn't agree more with. Todd was very good about uh, coaching his coaches, uh, making you accountable for things that you needed to get done to make. Uh, the staff better and also put a better product out for the kids. But yeah, he also let you be yourself. He let you uh, really come up with ideas and he'd listen to your ideas, just like some of his ideas that, that he would put out there. And he made you, uh, he valued your worth. I think uh, is what I can say with all of the coaches who've coached with him. And he made it a lot of fun. He really did. It was challenging. Right. It was, it was all, it was, it was an all the time thing. Like we, we always joke, Dave, we didn't have that, uh, you know, just hour, hour, every two days coaching kids and care. Usually we were five days a week, sometimes six or seven days a week doing something. So it was a lot of fun, a right. lot, a lot of fun working with Todd. And yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said there. Well, Dave, what, uh, so you talked about Minuteman and yeah, I had, I had an opportunity to, to do some of those washing of the trailers and everything that you mentioned uh, down there and in, in the trucking company. And for those that don't know, Minuteman Transport is a, a trucking company that specializes in uh, transportation of perishable commodities, if I remember the phrase correctly. Uh, but anyway, you and I both ended up working there while we were coaching 
in the junior high department while we were in college. And just tell me what it was like there for you to start, uh, you know, one day you're washing uh, trucks uh, late at night and then the next day, you know, you're working in an office. So tell me about kind of your transition and some of your experiences there at Minuteman Transport over the years. Um, yeah, I, I think um, Minuteman's always been, um, you know, a special place for me. Yeah, I, I still work there, so it, it's 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 a it's a special place, um, you know, for somebody to work there for twenty twenty or so years, right? Uh, we've been out of school for about the, you know about that time, yeah. but I think um, what Minuteman sort of exposes every day is a challenge to um, work hard right? Um, you don't get anywhere in life um, by sitting back, you know, um, and letting things pass, right? The people who get somewhere, the people who find success are the people who are working hard. And um, what's great about men and men in, in that sense is you're able to, uh, there's, there's ways for you to sort of put yourself in that situation daily. Lots of, lots of challenges, um, lots of moving parts, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta be on your toes, so to speak, and, um, try to make the best decision. Um, and at the end of the day, the best decision is for the customer, right? And, and that's what's great. You know, big, big Miniman is, uh, motto is, um, service. And so, uh, um, yeah, I mean, transitioning from, you know, high school washing trucks to, college um days working there and then you know full time and then you know eventually becoming the manager um it's 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 you know it's it's rewarding in that sense but it doesn't come without hard work you know i think that's what taught me is you can't get by with with you know pretending you can't get by with with cheating you know it's hard work you know and it shows if you don't work hard there's no success and i think that's what that's what minute man is um that's what that's what I learned there, and that's why I continue to um, sort of show and and fight for every day there, you know. Great stuff, man. Yeah, I, I remember you climbing through the ranks pretty fast. It seemed like you were always working hard doing something. I felt like I all I ever did there was kind of do some filings and some uh, lunch orders and such. But you know, you you were a guy that was just kind of very hands on. You were growing. You were putting in a lot of hours, a lot of some late night hours even. So uh, over these years, yeah, I, I don't think it surprises anybody that you're there and, and doing a great job. Uh, I can't say enough about uh, the leadership though at Minuteman. I mean, right. That, that has a lot to do with the company's success. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I work for a, a, a great owner, but um, I also work for a great team, you know, there's, mm -hmm. um, the the operations managers man that guy i mean you you've had some you've had some um time with him you know he he doesn't he's he's one of those tough coaches right you know he he's he's not going to let you slide but you know when when you when you finish the job when you when you're successful he gives you all the credit right and that's that's what's the best about people like that right great coaches you know um but you know people like that you know and again his name you know he's not just a some you know, general person, his name's Tim, Tim Steinberger, he's a great friend of mine through the work. Um, but, you know, he's not going to let you slide. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Going through playing sports, playing football, you know, coaches that didn't let you slide, didn't let you skimp on a push up, didn't let you skimp on a, you know, run. Those are the guys you appreciate the most. Why? Because they, 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 they expose your ability to fight through your inabilities at that moment. 
if that makes sense, right? Um, you know, without, I think without the leadership of, uh, you know, Tim and other people throughout my life, they would, I wouldn't have been able to know what I'm capable of, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, great leadership there, you know, great team to be a part of, you know, every day we have, you know, difficult work meetings and, you know, we come out of it saying, man, you know, still not another team I'd rather be with, you know, be a part of, you know, this team here. And, you know, I think that appreciation came from playing sports, to be honest. Yeah. You know, play, you know, um, I might not, you know, you and I, we, we don't like the same things per se. We don't do the same things per se, but I think if we, t if we, if we get some time together, we can always appreciate what we've done together on the field. We, pre we can appreciate, you know, even other teams that we see, you know, it's because that connection of sports and hard work um, bring us together. Yeah, uh, definitely it does. And I like seeing that, that it, it, there are connections that is everybody goes into their, their different path in life, that they carry the same things that we kind of were raised on and same experiences, teamwork and leadership, all those great things. I, I do have a couple things I want to say about Tim since you brought him up. Uh, Tim was a huge Ohio State football fan. And US, Dave's always been a huge UFC, uh, USC football fan. The Trojans had some great years there in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, it's kind of downhill uh, for a long time now. But during that time, I remember uh, Tim and Dave would always argue USC over fighting over USC and Ohio State. And Ohio State played in the national championship game against Florida. I don't remember the year, but Florida just, uh, just ran them off the field, basically. And so the next morning... Uh, Mr. Dave Hong here, uh, he, <laughs> in the office, he put pictures of Florida, of gators all over the office, Get like a gator, like a swamp of just, just pictures of gators, the Florida gator logo. And I walked in, I laughed so hard. I know Tim didn't think it was funny. And Tim was like, oh yeah, well, the Trojans would have beat him, huh? The Trojans, yeah, your Trojans would have won for sure. So there's a friendly rivalry there still, Dave, right? I'm assuming. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it friendly. Uh... <laughs> But, you know, um, there, there is sort of a banter, I would say. And I would, let's just keep it lighthearted because, um, you know, we all know sports people can get passionate. Um, so I, I, I knew that uh, – how, how do I put it this way? I, I, did, I never did it again. <laughs> um, but um, I could understand uh, why he was upset, you know. Well, so but, what, did he, what did he have to say uh, in back-to-back in -back years when USC beat Ohio State uh, down in Columbus and then at the Coliseum, or maybe it was vice versa, uh, I, I was at the game at the Coliseum and the game was over in the first quarter. SC just stomped on them. And then at in Columbus, I mean, we're talking years ago now, but it's the last time they played, to, to my knowledge, I think. And uh, when SC went into Columbus and, and uh, beat the Buckeyes there, was there any conversation the, the following weeks after both of those victories? Um, I, I would actually uh, welcome, in, or, you know, to invite him on the show and maybe ha you know, ask him yourself. I think he would definitely give you a piece of his mind and his opinion. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'd say... Uh, yeah, I, I'd wait for that, and I, I'll, wait, I'll wait for that episode to air, uh, <laughs> and I'll let you, you know, answer that question. But, you know, that's, that's what's great about Tim, you know. Um, he, he could be irrational at times regarding his, his, his uh, devotion to his team, but um, aren't we all the same? You know, so. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're all very, very passionate about, uh, about our teams. But, you know, I, I think the first thing 
that Tim would say is just be like, oh yeah, you know, uh, we, uh, Ohio State national champs uh, not too long ago. Uh, you, you guys in your pretty little Pac-12 uh, championships or whatever. But uh, he definitely has some bragging rights with over the past few years, specifically with some of their success at the national level. Um, but, but anyway, they're always in the hunt for the college football playoff national championship not too long ago. And, uh, yeah, Ohio State's a great program. All kidding aside, it's just fun to, uh, to talk kind of about – uh, that, that, uh, well, not friendly rivalry, right? <laughs> but anyway, right. uh, one other thing with Tim, uh, and, and that is, did Tim, Tim went to Arcadia High School, didn't he? He did. Arcadia okay. High. So I didn't know, again, I, I, I'm not trying to smack talk you, Tim, uh, as, as I haven't talked to you in a long time and I'd love to catch up, but I'm just kind of talking to my friend Dave here, uh, just kind of getting some information. Uh, when Rio Hondo Prep played Arcadia, a few years back, and uh, the game was not very close. Arcadia uh, is not the program I think they used to be, but Rondo Prep took it to them pretty bad. And you know what? They're, it was supposed to be a home and home, up to my knowledge. And Arcadia didn't ask for that second game uh, to come back and play the next season. So, was there some conversation when that game happened at Miniman Transport? Well, uh, I think fortunately for me, um, I I wasn't. I, you know, I think I graduated and, you know, some years have passed where I was not too familiar with the group, but Tim was excited. I remember. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was, uh, I think he, I think he was sort of open-minded with the outcome, meaning he wasn't, <laughs> you know, hundred percent Arcadia high going in. Uh, but I think he, he, you know, he realized that that year, that game, um, it, it wasn't favored for Arcadia high. <laughs> to win so um but you again you could that's a question you could ask him um i definitely think he'll give you you know the the, the story the backdrop you know yeah. he's really good at that right and um and he'll give you his, his 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 take on it he was he was pretty new there as i was i was only there he had just he was just kind of starting there as i was kind of almost out of there so our interaction wasn't that much but i just remember working uh you know with him not quietly uh, alongside him like you did as much but just being there working with him he was such a great guy such a great guy to walk in the office and see uh you know every time you did and just uh, incredible guy so fun to just like talk sports with hey did you see the game last night like just, just, he made the days go better and, and I haven't talked to him in right. forever, but yeah, my best to Tim, if he is listening, all kidding aside, Tim, all kidding aside. Yes. Yes. I know Ohio state won the national championship in 2014 uh, and have been in the college football playoffs. Yes. I know. Yes. I know that they're a great program. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll move on from that stuff, Dave. Uh, so Dave, you're a minute man, a long time, uh, you know, uh, living in Southern California and then, uh, you know, you, you, you met a young lady and your life changed. Uh, you eventually got married and now you guys have two kids and you've traveled all over the country now and even outside the country. So tell me what it was like uh, getting married. And then did you know when you got married that you would be doing all this traveling and living all these places? Or did that just kind of come up as time went by? Um, yeah, so uh, my wife, Joan. Um, she's, um, when, when we, so I met her, um, at a church I was attending, um, around, uh, 2008-ish, 2007, 2008-2009. I think we met around 2010, but 
you know, she probably could give you the dates better than I can, but I'm pretty sure it's 2010. Um, but the first thing she said um, on our, our second date was, hey, I signed up for this Army scholarship um, program. So, and it's the second date, right? So um, she said, you know, if, if our relationship continues, are you, you know, are you okay with leaving California? So my response to her was, it's not a deal breaker. And I think for her, it was like, oh man, okay, this is it. You know, <laughs> this guy's serious. We're serious. And, you know, for me, it wasn't, you know, I, you know, um, I don't, I don't think, you know, but she was my first and my last, you know, so, so to speak, I, I know what I want when I find it and mm-hmm. that's it, you know? So I think we knew, I, I think after this first date, this was going to be the beginning of something huge for us. Well, well, not to interrupt, Dave, but uh, for her to be talking long-term plans with you on, on the second date must have meant that you made a big impact on her in the first date, man. Uh, yeah, she's already talking, you know? <laughs> yeah. You want to get her on the show and, and do a first date interview? Go back there. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. Oh, that's great stuff. Man. I couldn't be happy for so. So she tells you about the, the fact that, hey, I'm probably going to have to travel around and, and go around. And you said, all right, well, it's not a deal breaker. And you so you were open to the idea. And, but even still, did you think, okay, she says this, but we probably won't have to go anywhere. Did you did you believe her? Or were you just kind of skeptical? Tell me about it all. Um, it was more exciting than it was uh, sort of doubt, per se. Um, I was like, yeah, I mean, a new adventure with you. I think it's something I would love, you know, right. You know, um, but it wasn't anything that I dreaded per se. Um, growing up in SoCal, even with the, the, the many times that we were able, been able to travel, I never thought I'd leave SoCal, right. SoCal, I mean, you, you grew up in it, you've traveled. If you, people who never left, um, like don't know how to leave, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because you, you, you've been, and I wouldn't say spoiled, but you, you're able to get the necessities or the wants very easily in Southern California. Uh, it's when you move and you realize, hey, things are different. I got to work hard for this, or I got to do, you know, make things differently. Is That's when you realize, um, hey, there's, there's a world outside of Southern California. And I would say, I, you know, it got me out of the Southern California bubble, right? So, <laughs> It was, it was exciting, to be honest. Well, Dave, I'm a guy who definitely wants out of this state. I've been here my entire life. I've traveled many different places. I've traveled all over the country, much like you. Never really lived in places, but I've spent uh, months or periods of time in different parts of the country, or different cities. So it, it's gotten me to appreciate, okay, well, there, there's other places out here besides Southern California. And, and there's nothing like Southern California but there's also nothing like Southern California. Like it's, it's good and it's very bad. So it's expensive. Uh, There's a lot of people here. You can't go up the street without hitting traffic. Um, Some of the politics are are definitely not my cup of tea. Uh, It's just, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And so many Californians have branched out and have moved to Texas and have moved to Arizona, Nevada, uh, all these different places. Uh, I think more and more people are just saying, all right, enough of this. I want my money to go further. So where, where were some of the first places you guys ended up moving uh, after you guys got married? So fortunately um, in the army sort of cost of living is absorbed by the military. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
you're, you're sort of assigned to where they station you. Uh, but the first real assignment, uh, we were stationed in JBLM uh, in Seattle. So it's a joint uh, Army Air Force base up in uh, Seattle, Washington, south of the city. So it's like near Tacoma, south of Tacoma. Um, and honestly, I, I thought I was going to live in Seattle for five years. And, and that was it, you know, um, and then, and, um, you know, I guess, uh, sort of promote my USC her you know, heritage, you know, my wife went to USC. And, oh, you know, and just, okay. The secret comes out. Yeah. I got it. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> the reason, um, uh, you know, and sort of just paint, paint, you know, <clears throat> Washington, you know, Cardinal and gold type of thing. But after that first year, um, which was we we knew we were probably you know army was going to move us again <laughs> it was korea and that that was that was difficult pill to swallow honestly um you know as, as difficult as the army is on its own it's like hey we're going to pick you up and move you across you know halfway around the globe and that was difficult the the f sort of <clears throat> first few months because just adjusting and living in another country is, is is crazy and you know there's no support group until you get there that you don't you don't meet people till you get there and I, I don't think people realize, you know, people outside of the military realize the life of a soldier um, <clears throat> beyond sort of, you know, what you hear with, with um, you know, people being deployed, stuff like that, the actual life of a sort of stay at home or, you know, in on post on base soldier. It's, still, it's a pretty difficult life, of, <clears throat> especially if you're not used to it, if you didn't grow up in it. It's something, you know, a, a lot a huge learning curve to get to get adjusted to so interesting and so when you were in korea you were again on a on a military base yeah so we were stationed at camp Humphreys. um i think everything overseas is labeled camp right um, okay. especially in korea um and it's actually the one of the biggest um uh sort of army bases currently it's like they're expanding that base to be the, the center point of uh, sort of the USFK, um, sort of it's the US and uh, Korea forces um, sort of headquarters. Um, the 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 original one was uh, Yongsan, which is in Seoul, the capital of Korea. But they're sort of break, tearing that down and moving everything over to Humphreys. Um, so and Korea wants to take that property back. I mean, if you if you think about it. There's a, there's a base, a U.S. Army base, right in the middle of your city. It's just a little, you know, they need to get, you know, so it just doesn't make sense as, you know, as a culture. But they, they grew up with it, right? They, they know how that goes, you know, Army's right here. But I think they just want to transition out. So Camp Hubbard's in the countryside, so it's humid as heck coming from <laughs> Seattle. No humidity. L.A., you know, just in the summertime. We get, you know, leaving Seattle, great weather. We, we, we fly an Army commuter plane, which is not the best um, – airline if you know what i mean um uh ashtray still in in, in the thing you know it, it's it's one of those old old 1980s plane like omni air air whatever that was you know mm -hmm. probably sold to a contracted company that runs for the army so it's just like hey we're gonna move you away from beautiful seattle to korea and the farmland you know <laughs> so it was, it was a difficult change um the flight was terrible it was like three days of just you know, do what we say, we're going to move you. And again, it's a process that everybody goes through moving there just because that's how, that's how it's done with, with uh, the, the flight and the, you know, the transport with, with, with the army. 
in military. And Dave, just I think you may have said it, uh, but but two things: where what city was uh, was Camp Humphrey in Humphrey. again? Yeah, it's in Humphrey. Um, Pyeongtaek. Pyeongtaek. Okay. It's sort of like a, uh, I would say like a, like an import export city. Okay. Where there's a lot of access to the water type of thing. And then uh, um, so, one one question I have is about kind of in your interaction with civilians and just Koreans over there what was their uh, if you can give us an idea what was kind of their outlook uh, of Americans being there uh, you know you you weren't in the army but your your wife was so did you did you interact with civilians a lot I mean what was kind of the did they did they were they not happy that you guys were there I mean what was it kind of like and the treatment that you guys uh, received and just how you guys kind of viewed by the by the locals so um <clears throat> what i would say is army are anywhere armies at brings a lot of business okay like local economy type of thing right mm-hmm. you know even when we're stationed in el paso um the stuff around the army base sort of you know what i mean mm-hmm. um when you bring in base there it brings up local business so i think a lot of the locals were very appreciative not appreciative per se, but just eager to sort of have, do business with with army because um, that's that's that. But I think um, the concept of a military or military presence in everyday life is normal for Koreans. Um, Koreans, there's um, out of high school, you're, you're supposed to commit two years of service to the army, um, and so it's just part of their everyday life, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, my, I think the interaction's been great. I think it's different perspective because that's, that's everyday life for them, whether it's a U.S. Army or Korean Army or um, it's just part of their life. So um, the people that I interact with, I actually made some great friends um, in Korea. Um, you know, obviously everyone has opinions about certain things, but for the, for the most part, it's just everyday life and it's the way it is, right? And then you do have locals who disagree with the army being there and you do have people who fully support it, right? But um, it is what it is, in the, in, I guess, in their life. Um, and most of them, the, most of them meaning the friends that I've made who are Koreans there, really, really like, um, really like the relationship that U.S. Army has, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah, I'm always curious kind of what things are like in other countries. Uh, I've, I've been all over myself, but not nothing recently outside of maybe Canada or something. So it's different, the different perspectives you get, especially when it involves the military. Uh, how long were you guys there in Korea? A couple of years? Um, about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And so, so as far as Joan, yeah, you talked about uh, dentistry. So that was like her position in the, in the army is she was like the right. army dentist. Right. Okay. Um, yes. So her MOS, that's a, that's a, little, that's a little military acronym term for it. Um, was just army dentist, general dentist for the army. Um, yeah. I mean, for more <laughs> or less, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Oh man. Well, that, well that's pretty cool. I, I mean, you, you think that the military needs all these different jobs, but it's not something I would have thought of. Oh yeah. You know, the army, they need a dentist or they need a doctor. They need, they need all mm-hmm. these different things. So, so that's interesting that she was 
kind of moved around to different bases and uh, and all all over the world now. I mean, what 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 would you take away from Korea and the experience and being there? I mean, you're, you're the furthest you were from friends and family, I'm sure, and uh, just completely on the other side of the world, really. I mean, if you could sum up your experience there, it sounds like it was overall positive, right? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I think the first week they 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 brief you on the possibility of North Korea nuking, uh, you know, South Korea. So that's in your mind in like the first month. But like after that, you're like, it, life is life. You know, people, you know, I think the the misconception that some people may have is that, you know, Korea lives in fear of North Korea. It's actually quite opposite. They, they you know, there's a lots of, it's a thriving city. And I'd say South Korea is probably in some sense, um, economically better than U.S. I was, you know, just on seeing what I, I saw there. You know, the opportunity for growth is huge. Um, lots of things going on. You know, people people are living normal lives. You know what I mean? No one wow. living in fear. Um, even the COVID response. Um, you know, there, there's not much COVID cases there for various reasons. I don't want to get into the details of how what I think. You know, in this conversation, I think it's gonna take another ten episodes, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, you don't hear cases. It's not, it you know, has anything to do with, I don't think it has anything to do with medical systems. It's, I think it has everything to do with politics with, you know, Korea. But Korea, they, there's a, they pride themselves in taking care of themselves. You know, Korea first, I would say, you know, that's the, the culturally, it's a very um, self-sufficient uh, group of people. Um, they're very independent and they've, they've learned, you know, sort of how to take care of themselves in that sense. You know, so I think um, the the view the view of how South Koreans are is much different than and then actually living there and, and, and seeing it firsthand. You know what I mean? That's I actually I, I had a different appreciation, you know, for them for that for that country per se. Wow, that that's that's very fascinating, Dave. Uh, you know, you I, I try not to watch much news, <laughs> but you, you you know you hear different things or see different things, but to hear it from someone who was actually living there and interacting with uh, people there. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about that. Uh, your experiences there and, and you, you and your, you and your wife, of course. And, and that's, that's interesting stuff. It really is. So you guys leave Korea and you come back to the U S and you are then stationed where? Uh, Fort bliss, El Paso, Texas, El Paso. So uh, in, in three stops, We've gone from Seattle, and thank God you're not there in 2020 with that mess. Uh, then you go to Korea, and then right. El Paso, Texas. We're talking three completely different types of places. What can right. you speak on to that? Just how different each of those moves was, because I can't imagine three more different places than those three. I mean, just you know, I think uh, one thing you know, I would just always attribute it to something Todd Carson taught us is just be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Like oh, yeah. we were always uncomfortable, yeah. moving all the time, you know, changes <laughs> left and right. I had to adjust my lifestyle, you know, um, every move I make, I, you know, one big thing for me is how, how can I find work? You know I mean? First year I didn't work in Korea. I picked up a sort of just a side gig, you know, part-time job as a pizza cook, pizza chef, um, just because of my American background. Right. Um, and then I, when I came back to the U.S., you know, I was able to connect with uh, Minuteman again, and then I was able to, you know, pick up a full-time position. 
but it's difficult because you got kids, you know, um, life goes on, you, you, you know, you're trying to sort of just support, support my, my wife, my spouse and support, you know, her mission and, you know, raise a family too. It's, it's a difficult place to be, you know? Um, but yeah, like you said, the three different places, um, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I don't, I don't know. Just traveling alone to those places is yeah. its own adventure. You know what I mean? So, well, not not to get off topic, but you since you brought it up, Dave, the whole okay, uh, I I love food as much as the next guy. And one thing you were great you were great about, I think you you uh, Arthur, you guys cooked on a few summer trips, and man, you guys will put out these huge spreads, dude. And then I even remember you cooking at at uh, Minuteman a little bit. We do like these barbecues occasionally or something, and you're out there running the grill, doing all these different. Uh, chicken and all. I mean, I remember you were showing me how to put like Coca Cola in this like barbecue sauce mix you were doing. I was like, "What? That's awesome!" And it was, dude, you got a you got a skill for the grill, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I always love cooking. I mean, I, I, it's man, it's amazing to me what you what you remember about me. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, um, I mean, if you look at my kitchen, it's it's all food related stuff. Um, whatever gadget that is, is worth buying I purchase, right? There's a lot of stuff that just, just trying to sell, make, make a dollar kind of product. Stay away from those sous vide sticks. Okay. It's just, it's just waste of money. But um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but just disclaimer, stay away from the sous vide sticks. They're just selling you a bunch of $200, or $100, um, you know, junk. But honestly, yeah, I love, I love cooking. Um, I think that's another way of bringing people together, right? Sports and food. Oh. Two big things aside aside from politics, as polarizing it is in, in church, right? Polarizing as it is, um, food food's the next big thing, right? Brings people together. So I love um, just connecting people with food. And you know, for me, it's it's never been eat my food. You know, I'm the snob. You know, ten star Michelin restaurant. You know, it's never like that. It's <laughs> hey, Matt, you like your simple hamburger? You know, some fries. I got you. You know, I'll take care of you. You know, I'll get you. You know, a cold one right next to it, and you enjoy 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 your meal. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll talk about sports that's just, that's just, that's, that's just who I am. Right. And I think I was able to do that in Korea. I realized, Hey, look, I got this. I have nothing else to do. Right. Let me go, let me go cook. Let me, let me go help this guy. You know, we became friends. This is what happens is like when you do things, you end up being friends. I'm sure through your um, process, through, uh, you know, officiating stuff like that, you made some lifelong friends and, you know, same, you know, same here with cooking. You, you learn who's, who's willing to throw it down in the kitchen when, when, when you got 10 orders coming, you know, you, you know, you just, you're ready to go. And so, um, I think, uh, making pizzas and, uh, pastas in a, you know, it's funny that my, my job would be making Italian, you know, American Italian food in Korea, you know, um, it, it was just great. It was a great experience. You know, you know, I actually developed a few of my, uh, culinary skills, but it was, it was really fun to do. Um, and I enjoyed it, you know, it was just, yeah. You, it's funny that we're talking about food, you know, kitchen work, but it was just one, it was the highlights of one of my, you know my career in that sense. You know, I'd rather be cooking. <laughs> to be honest, you know, don't tell don't tell my current employer this, but I'd rather be cooking than than than, than trucking. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you this, Dave. Like, I, I've learned. I think we've all had to learn a little bit more about cooking and such during this lockdown. Court. I mean, it's just you you have the time really. You're at home and everything. But, but yeah, I mentioned it a little bit ago. I, I specifically remember, man, you and, and Arthur Taskison and Jordan Ross, I think 
I don't know if it was multiple trips or, or whatnot, but it was the three of you guys. You're driving the concession truck. You guys put out some amazing meals, dude. I, I got to tell you, it was it was different than some of the previous trips. We'll say that <laughs> you guys. It was always a lot, and it was always unique. And yeah, I think you guys had a uh, just definitely this passion, really, that you've just spoken of. Yeah. So I, I know that I remember those those days like they were yesterday. Uh, concession food used to not be that great eating out of that truck right. every day, but it got, it got to be better. I think with yeah. some of you guys running the show. <laughs> yeah. oh, don't, don't ask us what we put in there. You might not want to know, but. Um, hey, you fun. did the I'll best with what you had. I'll tell you that. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, well, Dave, tell me about, uh, man, we, I could talk about food with you all day. Uh, but tell me about El Paso. You moved there, very, uh, very different city. Texas, of course, you can see across the way and see Mexico. I mean, that city in itself is very unique. And so what was it like moving there and, and living there for, what was it, a couple more years? Yeah, about two and a half. Um, El Paso was, it was exciting because it was Texas. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But it's not Texas, if you know what I mean. Um, if you look on the map, it's very much New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I think just whoever drew out the lines just wanted to in- include El Paso into the Texas state line because of I think the army, the Fort Bliss, you know, sort of like the the far west border of Texas. But I mean, Texas Texas was great. El Paso was great. Um, it, it's a border town, so you have ninety percent Latino background, ninety like ninety percent, and I'm the one percent one one asian there not really but you know it's pretty much uh, it, you, you you the only place other place you find other asians is the asian store churches the asian churches or costco you know what i mean like that was pretty much it you know um you know it was very difficult to find you know just it's a very very um latino city just right because it's right next to mexico yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Latino. I'd be more Mexican, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it was great. I mean, people there were great. You wouldn't know this, you know. You think, you know, border town people are a little crazy, but I think people in El Paso just want to be normal Americans. They just happen to be Mexican. Yeah, you know, um, they love the liberties of this country. The people that I met there were great. You know, they're not a fan of you know the the, the negatives of what's going on in society, but they're also not. They're also not giving up their rights per se. You know, they, you know, they, they in general, they're great people. I, I, I don't know what to say much more, right? Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that I was, I, I was down there when um, that the, the major shooting happened in Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's eye opening, but it's you know, you, to see the city come together, to see people support each other. You know, that, that's that's what that's what America is, you know, um, they just happen to be El Pasoans, right. Um, you know, their heritage culturally is Mexican, right. But they're still, they just come together, support each other, lift each other up, you know, n- you know, no, just, it's great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how it's great far, to be a part of that community. How far away from your, where you guys were living was that Walmart? So that Walmart, I, I actually went there a couple of times, to be honest. It's not that big of a city. Um, it depends on what side of town you live in. Yeah. But we were actually like two uh, freeway exits away from that Walmart that oh, day. Oh, wow. Man. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, the guy coming this way from I-10, I'm going that way I-10. I, I probably would have, might have seen him, you know? Yeah. And to be uh, honest, uh, that area, I'm always interested in because like a Costco there. There's just a lot of a mall there. 
So I always peek in whenever I drive by Santa. You know, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should stop by and, mm-hmm. you know, grab by, drop by whatever, you know, get a donut or something, you know, wherever, whatever. But it was just more like, <laughs> I, I didn't, it didn't do it just because yeah. I, I didn't eat a donut that bad per se. But I just kept on going. Um, but it just, it's it's ridiculous how that, that event happened. But it's just amazing that I was so close. You know, what I mean? yeah, very sad, very sad. And Dave, I can tell you've been out of California a long time because you just called it I ten instead of the ten, which we do out here in Southern California. We're the only people in the country who do that. So yes, you've been. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've been trained or learned uh, to probably speak uh, the non-Californian uh, tongue yeah. as far as freeways go. <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, well, I, I'm still in transportation in California, so that's true. I'm, I'm not removed from it, but that, <laughs> so you're able to work remotely, Dave, from because uh, the the Miniman's located in California, of course. But so you right. being well, you're in Missouri now. But when you were in Texas, you were able to work remotely for Minuteman Transport. Yes, um, a lot. Of, just you know, were we able to connect through you know the 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 miracle of technology? Mm-hmm. A lot of video conferences on a regular, um, you know, keeping up on customers' orders. Same same deal as if I was sitting there. I think it was a little challenging just because um, predominantly it's not a remote type of business. For me, being sort of the pioneer for that, and so they're, they're, they're bringing some challenges for sure. Um, but let's 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 be honest, Matt. Um, the world's changing. You know what I mean? It is um, even even COVID, no you know, sort of gave us a, a speed <laughs> speed track to that, right? And yeah. so, you know, I mean, there's lots of people doing this on the regular. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate the company giving me an opportunity to do that, right? But um, it's just it's one of those things where um, if you if you if you don't if you don't do it and try, you never know if it's going to work, right? True. And for for the most part, it's been working great. So it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think every business would survive this way, but guess what? Um, people change, things change, you know? So, you know, the way, the way you do you know, podcasts different than you did it a year ago, you know? So, yeah. you know, Absolutely. So I, I think it's, it's a great, it was a great, it's a great opportunity. Um, and, and, and it's been going great, you know, so far, you know, as I transition over to St. Louis. Well, that's cool that they're they're able to work with you. And yeah, like you said, pioneer some changes and just, hey, let's make this work. And I think not anybody could just do that, Dave. I think it's definitely a tribute to you and your hard work and everything and uh, your connection to the company too. So so that's great stuff. Uh, Well, well, Dave, before you move to uh, St. Louis or the St. Louis area, which you're currently in now, uh, you were in Texas and you had the opportunity to attend a rally of sorts, right? A couple of years ago that I know you mentioned to me. I said, oh, yeah, well, let's talk about that. So tell me about what that experience was like for you. Yeah. So first and foremost, um, like I think I would say this, the military life um, sort of um, allows me to have certain, do certain things that most civilians sort of aren't privy to or able to per se um with with that it's just the experience of meeting regular americans from all over the world i mean with with the scope that they they, um uh, of military service right and even within the militaries i think the misconception is like all soldiers uh are conservative you know they, they they love the second amendment you know to be honest they're not 
You know, you have a wide range of people within the military, even in the higher ups. And what's great about America is, you know, the United States is that you're free to have your opinion, but work comes first, right? You're free to believe what you believe, but we're all the same. We're all Americans. And so that, that's what I really want to say, um, just to, you know, and as being a army wife, I like to call it army wife, just because I was the guy at home doing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, you're able to see a lot of perspectives. You know, just because you wear a, a uniform doesn't mean people don't have the same feelings and the same experiences. Um, and I think that that's misunderstood with the media and the general public, you know, as it is. We, you know, the, the, what's great about the military is no matter your background, your creed, whatever, we come together and we, we, we work on a, a common mission, common goal, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's great about sports. That's what's great about the military. Um, but with that being said, like, yeah, I, I was able to um, <clears throat> meet, you know, sort of cross paths with commander in chief, um, so to speak. And it's, it's, it's exciting because as a civilian, you, unless you know somebody or you get, you know, some celebrity hookup or something, you'll never cross paths with the commander in chief or anybody close to that. And anybody, and especially no matter who the president, commander in chief is, president is, it's still an exciting event, exciting thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny too, when I was talking to my wife, um, just in our, in our in experiencing the military is sort of, I've, I've, uh, we sort of, the locations were hotspots where the, the commander in chief, you know, needed, <laughs> needed to be right. And, and so sort of, you know, Korea, the North Korea, South Korea tension, right. Obviously now it's just a blip on the map just because COVID takes, you know, takes over, but, yeah. um, but we were in, we were in Korea, Trump came there a few times, you know, the country shut down, not necessarily the country, but like the base is shut down, you know, here comes the president, right? And, and for the people who, especially the army bases and the, the communities around them, it, it's, they, they love it, right? Because the more, the more funding for, for the army to, you know, help their local economy, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, Trump was, Trump was in South Korea. Um, he was like actually at the officers club um, and, you know, I was like, we were, like my wife's building is like, you know, less than a mile away. And we were like, oh, should we, should we <laughs> lean by and try to try to get a glimpse? But, you know, never, never did that. But, you know, my, my wife's uh, office happened to be by the airfield where uh, Marine One landed. You oh, know, because wow. they all fly everything over. So, you know, Trump was like right there, you know, um, um, you know, eye level. I could see him walking off, you know, just because where she, her, her building was, there was, once you're in the base, it's pretty secure, right? So it's pretty open for the people just to, you know, uh, do whatever. So I was able to see, you know, some dignitary walk from Marine One over over to a, the, what is it, the what's the limo called? The Beast, whatever, right? Yeah, so yeah you, I think that's right. You see the Beast, you know, the Beast was in Yongsan. People were like lining up in the streets as the Beast was, you know, driving by. It's like Trump's right there, you know? So it's exciting. But, you know, in El Paso, um, you know, just because of the, the campaigning, stuff like that, Trump, Trump made a visit to El Paso. It's a very touchy subject. You know, I don't publicize it much, but it's exciting just because um, when, when are you ever able to meet the commander in chief, right? You yeah. know, um, never really. I mean, we had a chance to be in DC and we were super close. I don't know if you, you, you met um, the, the, at the time, I think Bush, but it's just, it's, um, it's difficult, right? It's, you know, you're never just, you can never do that, right? It has to be special <laughs> privileges, special clans, and stuff like that. And it's so, unique. Um, it's very what, unique. Right. And so um, when, I, when I found out that you're at, where Trump was coming to town, I was like, man, 
I gotta do this. You know, I gotta, I gotta just, it's free, you know, gotta wait in line. I know it's hot, but whatever. I just gotta go. Right. And so that's what happened. It wasn't hot that day. It was like probably, I think February. I, I, don't, I forget the date, but I had to wear a hoodie. So it wasn't that hot. It was actually, actually kind of cold as like four o'clock hit. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was just fun. It was exciting. You know, um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into the politics or, you know, um, per se in this conversation, but it was exciting to just mm-hmm. be in a room and of people who were excited to be there, right? And and I, I would sort of sort of express the fact that the demographics aren't as what people assume. Um, it was a good solid mix, man, of, of culture, of race, you know, of people, people from all over. Yeah, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome all, here. All rooting, you know, people people don't understand. You know, obviously news is going to, you know, per, uh, focus on one aspect of it. But there's lots of people there, you know, just everyday people too. Again, it, I'm not promoting or supporting um, Trump in when I say this, but the people there were very passionate about what he's doing. Um, and it's not, just, it's, it's not just white people, to be honest. And I'm not white. I know if you're going to put a picture of myself, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm one of the other minorities, right? And it's it's not it's not a it's not a white black it's not a white or black thing for you know people who are there I, you can tell it's people who just want to um, you know want their livelihood back and if you can see you know you can see it in their eyes you can see it in their in their passion when they, they go there and support wait the lines put on put on you know the red Trump hat they just want their life they want their life back per se you know so to speak what was it like. Uh, you say, how long did you wait outside and what was it like to, was it just first come first serve? I mean, what was that whole process? Like just the, so, the yeah. yeah, I'll give you the insider, insider tip on how to, how to attend a Trump rally. First, you got to sign up on <laughs> the, the website um, and you get, you get a ticket and the ticket doesn't guarantee you to go. It just gets you in their database. And it's a good campaign tactic because your email address is loaded, your cell phone's in there and they're, they're, they're spamming you all day. But again, that's what a campaign is, right? You try mm-hmm. to get your message out. Um, and, you know, sometimes I have to block a few emails and texts just because it's annoying. But I get it. It's a campaign, right? Um, so they get you in. They get you a ticket. Once you're in, um, you have to wait in line. And, and I've heard other rallies where people have waited 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, days camped out before. My hope was that El Paso isn't a big hot spot for people to come in. So I was like, okay. I won't ruin my day. I still take my kids to school, but once I drop them off, I'll, I'll tough it out, right? And I, and I actually, I was like, should I, should I do it right after I drop them off or should I just wait a little bit? And I was like, nah, I'll, I'll get some work done. I'll be fair to, you know, be fair to my job per se. Um, and then, you know, thankfully my work was allowed me to, my, my work allowed me to, to go. And uh, I, I basically, I decided to, okay, after I get a good lunch, might be my last meal of my day, my life, because you never know what these things. Yeah, I think I got like, I don't even know if I ate. I just decided, because I didn't want to like use the restroom, right? Because I knew it was going to be a long wait. And I probably, I don't think I ate. I said, I'll just eat after the rally, you know? Like, I don't want to use the restroom, lose my line, whatever. So I think I was like, you know, forget it. No last meal. I'm just going, right? And so um, I waited and I'm like, oh, it's so hot, you know? And then, you know, they're going like porta potties and it's like, it, it's just waiting. It's like waiting in line for a football game. It's just mm-hmm. not fun. Right. You know, just waiting in line and they roped it out where you're like doing the snake all across, you know, and it went to the, the El Paso Coliseum. It's just, it's, it's a big auditorium. 
for El Paso. It's not big like LA, but it's big enough. Um, and we just waited in line. And around five o'clock, six o'clock, they opened the gates and they started selling people in. And then, you know, around seven o'clock, the senators came out, different people came out. Um, and, and by that time, you know, when Trump came out, it was, it was a full packed house, it, you know, exciting, but yeah, like I, I decided no water, no food. I don't want to use the restroom. Um, I don't want to lose my spot. I don't, I don't want to argue with anybody. And I was actually kind of worried, but then when, as I got there, it was just like, okay, everyone's here. Everyone's Trumping. People got the Trump stuff on. People were buying stuff on the streets, you know, Trump hats and that. But for me, I was like, you know, I, I kind of wanted to get on TV or get on camera because I'm the only Asian out there. Right. And I, to be honest, there's not a lot of Asians in El Paso period, right? So I was like, I gotta be able to get on TV, right? So then I was like, you know, what's the best thing to do? Get a fluorescent shirt. So I got a pink Trump shirt, right? And then it's great because it's like, oh, this flaming Asian guy, he's for Trump, you know? He's the, he's the, he's the worst demographic, right? Like not worst, but you know, like the, the small micro demographic, you know, he's a pink shirt, he's gotta be homosexual, right? He's Asian, that's perfect, you know? I was like, I hope they get me on camera, you know? But again, jokes, I was just joking. <laughs> but it's more just to get the um, the camera, like, because everyone's red and blue, right? And so, like, something off color will get you get you on camera, hopefully. It didn't happen, but Trump pointed at me. I know that because you know uh, I was like ten bodies away from him, and you know he did one of these, and I was, you know, I was like, yeah, you know. So uh, he did one of these, you know, pointing the fingers in your face, you know, you know, towards the crowd type of thing. And he, you know, I was like, that, that was for me, you know, but. Um, um, it was exciting just 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 to be that close to uh, you know again commander in chief you know so oh absolutely man that well, that's that's fascinating story Dave I love it uh, that's yeah. so funny but I didn't I didn't die obviously thankfully right I made it here I'm on this podcast but it, it was you know when you're walking out the Coliseum you're seeing what, the Coliseum thousand people outside double the amount of that right mm-hmm. like you're talking about fifty thousand people in El Paso going to a Trump rally. Yeah, you know, that's that's ridiculous. It's amazing. You know what I mean? And again, I don't. I, I won't say all fifty thousand people were all Trump. You know, all El Pasoans, but you know, neighboring cities, New, New yeah. Mexico, Oklahoma, stuff like that. You, you know, so it's exciting to see in that sense. And people, they, that's not reported. It, no, of course not. Of course not. No, that uh, that 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 is not newsworthy. Of course, so uh, I could bash the news uh, all day if I if I wanted to, but uh, I don't like speaking about them very much because they're just uh, they. They twist everything, Dave. We all know this. It's uh, very frustrating. You, you know, as far as waiting outside for something, I've I see people do it for these rallies. I see people do it for uh, Star Wars movies, for uh, Black Friday. You know, the day after Thanksgiving for shopping, and uh, I've done it one time for uh, for something not related to any of those things. And it was the only time I said, okay, I'll wait, but it wasn't overnight or anything. I just had to go a few hours early for something. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I won't say what it was, but you know, uh, there's something to be said for people that are that passionate about something, whatever it is, uh, the president of the United States or a star Wars movie or getting a, you know, a deal on something that they will sit outside and uh, stand in line for that period of time. And that's just, it's uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that, that I would ever do it, but it's interesting hearing from you that you were so passionate about wanting to do that and that you were able to uh, not only hey, stick it out, but. Yeah. But I mean, I'll say this. The only, the only, my driving force wasn't, you know, to promote my excitement for Trump or not actually passionate. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to be in the room 
wherein everyone in unison said CNN sucks. That was the only reason why I wanted to go. Because you can you hear it all over, but it's like to be in a, an auditorium where 100% minus the, the media, to hear them say CNN sucks is sort of thrilling for me. Um, <laughs> and yes, yes, to me, the command in chief is great. You know, to, to see all the people there was great. Um, but I just wanted to be a part of the CNN sucks chant. Just because you know how chants go being in sports, like that's thrilling, right? Um, and so it was, it was fun. Um, but it's not, you know, again, I, I sort of want to repeat my excitement to go is not necessarily the same excitement for your views for the president. I may not support the president the same way you do, but I do support him. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I don't want to confuse that, right? And that's and the difficulty part in these type of conversations, right? It's like, sure. You know, um, I, I think I think Biden's a doofus, but that's just me. And you could put that all over the, the news, and you know, if I get <laughs> egged or whatever, or whatever. But it's it's sort of like, I mean, at this point, is Biden's. You know, compared Biden to Trump, we're talking politics. Um, if there's another choice, it's Trump versus Biden, right? But again, I don't want I don't want to sort of mix my personal views of Trump with. And, and say they align with yours because we've never had a conversation about it. No, no, we haven't. The thing we support is sort of what he's doing per se. And you yeah. know, just so they, the way that we both agreed that we support him, right? On specific issues or whatever, we, we've never talked. And so I want to sort of make that disclaimer and, and sort of just be open about that just because I think a lot of people just confuse that just because I went to a rally or I support him doesn't mean I am a full, you know, you know, Trump or Trump trainer, what do you want to call it? Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't have the Confederate flag in my, but I, I live in Missouri, right? But, you know, compared to California, but I don't, I don't have that flag in my backyard type of thing, you know? So mm -hmm. I just want to be very clear that um, it's excitement because I know what, he, I know what he brings to people who, who sort of are like-minded like me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and that's why I support. You know? I, I get what um, you're trying to say, Dave. I, I do. I understand that completely. You know, there's, I, I think people are very cautious of, of their opinions and, and, you know, and what they want to say and, and what they believe and what a concept that we don't all have to agree on everything or, or have the same viewpoints or like something or someone for the same reasons. Like, that's what is great that like, I think people lose sight of the fact that we all have to agree a hundred percent on everything under the sun. It's like, well, no, that's not realistic. And, and, and that's, oh, it's impossible. Like, we all have our interests. We all have our opinions, which is great. This is what make, you talked about some of the uh, living in El Paso, the different types of people you see there. Like it's great that this country has so many different people from so many different places, backgrounds, uh, all these different opinions. It, it, it's great. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think some people just want negativity. They want uh, differing opinions to just explode into chaos and, uh, so we can't get along about anything. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, it's, it's always difficult to talk about a very polarizing topic. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, um, I think what matters is the heart of the person, right? If I know you enough, even if, even if you differed from my political view, doesn't mean you're my enemy. But I think society has pushed us that way, right? Is, yes. If it's not one, it's the other. Um, I have no problem 
talking to someone who disagree with me. That's what I love about this country. That's what oh, I love yeah. about having a conversation. Um, and I think that I think that's that's forgotten in all of this, mm-hmm. right? If we're talking about the forgotten people, that's the forgotten people. The people who actually don't care, or do, it doesn't bother to have a different opinion. I think that's the real fight right now. So, amen to that, man. Yeah, I I, I hate when you get painted into a corner of one thing. Like I, I have plenty of friends who are on completely opposite sides of the fence on many different topics. I don't hate my friends who don't think my way, or I hope they don't hate me for who I am. Like it's just, that's just part of life in, in having disagreements and maybe not seeing things the same way. So it doesn't have to be so uh, chaotic and so combative, but unfortunately that's the the age we're in. Uh, and, And it's been unfortunate year this year, specifically 2020 is one I think we all wish we could uh, have a do-over on, you know? Right. What what was it? So you were in El Paso. You now live in St. Louis. You moved there this year. You've moved there during this whole pandemic, this lockdown, this crazy year that we've been in. What can you speak on as far as was the process a little more difficult from the standpoint of, you know, we're in this lockdown, this uh, this quarantine situation or or was it kind of like all your other moves? Um, so to answer that last question, no, it's not like any other move, to be honest. <laughs> um, but we, we were sort of, I would say, um, you know, the perfect storm, the perfect storm. Anything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. Uh, and everybody excused it to COVID, right? And that's difficult to sort of swallow. Um, the one thing, again, going back to, military versus civilian life. My life, I was used to being supported by the military, right? Everything's supported by the military. And then when you leave, nothing is supported by the military. No one wants to help you. Not, it's not, and it's not because they don't want to, it's just the way it is, right? Yeah. Um, your contract with the military ends, right? The military took care of you, you know, in that sense. They, they helped you find a place to live. They helped, they, they housed you for weeks to, before you went to a new, you know, a new house. Um, there was resources. If you couldn't find a job, they would help you find jobs as difficult as it is. There's childcare centers, right. That are open for military service members during COVID. But right now I'm new to the city. I don't know what, you know, things I could do. I don't know who to talk to. So it's just more of an isolation, isolation. So I think it, it hit pretty hard. Um, not, not to say I was de- depressed or anything like that, but um, it was a depressing situation because the support is gone. Um, and um, I would say moving during pandemic is difficult because people, you know, they're, they don't know what to do. It's not the same anymore, right? Even yeah. living in where you, in California or living in Texas, people don't know what to do. And so even if somebody's traveling through, they don't know how to respond to that or they don't know how to, it's just a difficult time, um, especially when you're trying to keep your family happy, you know, when you're trying to uh, provide some sort of stability for, for your family or, or for what's going on. Um, it's, 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 a hard, it's a hard time to navigate, I would say. Um, you know, I didn't know whether to wear a mask today or I could go out to a restaurant here. Yeah. Um, for the most part, living in Texas, you know, driving through Oklahoma and um, Missouri, most, you know, the, the cases aren't big. Um, and, and I don't want to sort of put this out there because it's, it's not true per se, true in the fact that it's not validated. 
but I, I think it's become a political uh, COVID fight rather than a um, actual scientific, even though that there are actual real cases. It's just tough to, to see, hey, I'm living my life here. Nothing's happening elsewhere. And again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But it seems like the, the places that I've driven through, the sort of the conservative red states, they're more lax. And the, 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 the hardcore blue states, they're more tight. And so it's difficult to um, sort of play that game. And I'm not saying um, that's fact or anything like that, but um, it's, just, it's just an observation. There's inconsistencies. I think there's been a lot of inconsistencies. We've tried to talk a little bit about that on the show here, uh, especially uh, on Wednesdays with my good friend, Bill. But, you know, it, it's, that's, the, that's the frustrating part that this is a tremendously, uh, a, super, a very dark time we're in. And to politicize everything is just, it's exhausting. It's like, can we just move forward? Can we try to attack this thing? And just, I mean, we can't live in this fear forever. That's my opinion. I don't know what, where you stand, Dave, but we got to eventually try to make some progress here. It, it doesn't seem like we're making progress fast enough. And I, I agree with you. I mean, we can leave it at that as far as it's just way too politi- politicized. And it's uh, very frustrating. And you've seen it now uh, in various places, driving through the different states as well. So you're seeing kind of a lot of different viewpoints of a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so back to the move. Um, I, military moves are difficult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you built a house wherever you've gone. You not necessarily build, but just you, um, you, you settle in. You go to a new place and you have to relearn everything, right? Um, make new friends, make a, you know, find a new, find a new community, get your kids in the right schools, get get you know, find the people that's going to support you. You know, usually you know your family members can come with you, but it's still difficult because. Um, you're always on the go, right? You, you got to just learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's just always adapting. Um, you know, my kids, I try to keep it where there's not much change for them, but they've gone through a lot of change. You know, COVID hit, no more school. What do we do, right? <laughs> what, what happens, you know, what do you, what happens when you're moving? What, what teaches you relationships? That's what's tough for me. Is I'm a very communal guy. I'm a very, you know, relational guy. And you, you've known that for me for a long time is, I mean, I gotta, I gotta make new friends. I gotta cut, you know, friendships. And, you know, the friendships are long lasting, you know, throughout these the military career. But it's just sort of like I can't be around them anymore. It's difficult. You know, I think, I think sort of the, you know, the friends that you made in your career, I, I'm sure you could count or you know go back to or recall the 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 relationships that you had to to cut. You know, just because of, hey, things change. I gotta move. I I got a different career path. You know whatever the case is, it's like, it's difficult. Every time you move, it's difficult, right? And that, so put to, to put that all together into one situation, you got the pandemic, you got, you got, you know, trying to find a new place, trying to, trying to get your life settled, you know, kids, relationships, cutting one, building one, cut, you know, it's a difficult time to be in, right? And to be honest, like, yeah, it's been stressful months and to be, to keep sane in all of this is, is, is crazy, right? You know, your, your, your emotional thermometer goes up and down daily. So it's, yeah, I mean, the move has been difficult. I would never wish it upon anyone else to do it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but it is what it is. It's the choice I made and, you know, I got I to gotta own up to it. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, Dave, that um, as far as not being involved in the military anymore. So has, is Joan, are you guys 
tra- you guys have transitioned out of military life and are now civilians. What's that whole right. thing been like? It's tough because you get you get used to certain things, you know. <laughs> uh, you get certain, certain luxuries, to be honest. Um, and it's just slowly, slowly cutting off, right? It's sort of like living at your mom's house, your dad's house. Um, and all right, this month you, you got to pay for electricity, or this month you got to. Um, you gotta, you got, you got, you got to help me with the cable bill now. You know what I mean? Like, or you got to get your own cable bill. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's sort of like, ah, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that. You know, access anymore. You know, you, you got to find other ways to get it done. It, it's, it's not like we're living, you know, with you know, Grandpa, you know, Uncle Sam. It's just more like it's a. You learn how to live with how how the military operates, right? And so when you're out you readjust right there's always a support group in the military whether you want to take it or not um there's always a support group there's always somebody in the position you're in you know um but the great thing is there's always somebody there to help you oh yeah you know so so what was the the change did did joan just uh she did her years of service and you guys wanted to move on did she find a dental practice in, in the st louis area what is that kind of the reasoning and everything are you guys just ready for some changes yeah, I think we were always, we always knew we would just use it for the scholarship and then, you know, sort of live civilian life after that, you know, to see it in fruition or live, you know, we didn't actually understand the step-by-step process when that, when that did actually happen, what we would go through and that we've already found out and lived through it, but we always knew we would just, you know, use the scholarship for what it is. Um, her, I think she finds a lot more value into being her own doctor, you know, being the own, her own person as far as a dentist in the army, there are some um, things that are restrictive in terms of cases and procedures, just because the army does what they need for you, your soldier first, dentist second, whereas in your practice, you're a dentist first and not a soldier period, right? Um, Army focuses on taking care of the army, which makes sense. Um, That's why they've invested in you. Um, But we've always known that we would get out of the army. Um, You know, we're grateful for, for the scholarship we're grateful for the experience we're grateful for just being a part of the army you know i've always I, you know we, we in our early days like we've always had dreams of man could could we could we have done the army thing you know instead of maybe you know putting our energy in the archery or something and this gave me a taste of that it gave me an avenue where i said hey look i'm in the army too like you know even though i, I don't have uh, a cat card or I, I don't have the uniform i was a part of it you know it's great it's great feeling you know what I mean? Uh, to you know, serve our country in that in that manner, um, and I, I appreciate every minute of it. Um, but just um, we always knew that we, we would finish army and go civilian. Now, um, where was the difficult part? And we it, we spent a lot of time, you know, trying to find out where. Uh, and I think we never thought it would be St. Louis, but we, we're here. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you think you guys will stay there uh, for the long term? Are you kind of settling in? You think this will be a, a longer um, si- si- situation for you? Or do you think this is just another stop on the uh, on your radar? Um, I like for the next house to be our final house. But <laughs> we'll see how it goes, right? Uh, I can't tell the future. Um, I like to settle down. I think this is a, a, a great city to settle down in, but you never know. Um, We've, we've been moving, we've been on the run for a while. So it's not like um, we're new to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you guys are pros for sure in the, the whole moving and everything. And uh, 
uh, yeah, well, I hope that, uh, you know, you don't have many more moves in your future that you guys land where you, where you want to be, uh, my best to her and, and her, her, uh, line of work as well. And, uh, you know, Dave, as we kind of wrap it up here, I mean, what can you tell me? I think there, a lot of people are curious, like we all know Dave Hong, we all know what you were like in high school and your college years and everything. And now that you have, uh, become this married man, this world traveler, and now even, uh, a dad of two kids, uh, two young kids, two and five, I believe you said. Um, I mean, what is Dave Hong the dad like? Uh, not Dave Hong the coach, not Dave Hong the friend. And <laughs> to be honest, um, after I, I've sort of finished sort of the adolescent college years, I prefer, and it's, it's funny that I wait till the end of the episode to sort of say this. Um, you know, it's funny that you refer to me as Dave Hong. Actually, no one's referred to me as Dave Hong in the past 10 years. It's, always, really? it's David Hong. To be honest, yeah, that's, that's just the truth. Um, when people ask me, because no one's ever really asked me. Again, it's, not, it's not something like I'm making a big point. I'm just sort of speaking of things have changed, right? And so that's sort of what I'm alluding to is, yeah, everyone calls me David. It's never been <laughs> Dave Hong, right? And so, you know, when people ask me what's your name, it's David, David Hong, right? And so what I, what I mean to say by that is sort of, um, and that's what I prefer, to be honest. And I'm not, nothing against you. It's just I get we've had a long history, yeah. And that's where where it's been from. Um, but it's sort of like, yeah, I it's it's changed. I'm not the coach that you know. I I'm loud still. Uh, you know, I mean what I I mean what I say at times. You know, you could ask my daughter and my son. You know, I I am strict when I you know I need to be or when I want to be. My wife can tell you the same thing. But um, I think kids have given me a different perspective on life, right? Um, I, sort of, it's, it's, it's family first, then, then myself, so to speak, right? Yeah. It's hard to think like that if you're not in that situation. Before I would say, you know, do what I want, do what I want, do what I want. Well, if I do what I want, it's gonna be tough for my family. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, a, it's a different perspective. Um, it's to say the least, uh, uh, put on the first to be a great father. Um, and I hope I can do that and, you know, to my last day, to my, to, you know, to the last breath I, I have, you know, that I'm blessed with. But uh, it's challenging, you know, every day learning new things, you know, being a good husband, learning new things. Uh, yeah, there's, you know, any relationship, there's lots of turmoil. You know, you know how that goes. Um, but it's just overcoming that, um, you know, surviving that, conquering that, doing the next thing, you know. So. Um, yeah, to answer your question, David David Hong, the father, is not the same as Dave Hong, the coach. Dave Hong, uh, your friend back back in those days. Um, I'm actually like really consider, you know, worried about my health. You know what I mean? Back then, I don't think you're like, oh, he throwing another cheeseburger. You know, today I try to limit to like one or two. You know, like man, you know. So um, it's a little different. Um, but yeah, I think I think. Um, Time does this to you. You know, being a father does this to you. Being in a relationship does does this to you. And I think to wrap it all up, um, that's what's great about um, just living in the country, that you're able to do that. And everyone else, I think, for the most part, wants that that goal in life. You know, mm-hmm. raise a family. You know, be happy. You know, and um, you know, just live, enjoy what you've sort of enjoyed what you've created in a sense, right? And so. Absolutely, man. Um, and I think that that's that's sort of what 
I'm all about right now. You know, it's it's not, you know, sure, I love sports, sure, I love, you know, but it's not about that right now. It's, you know, for me, my main focus is to, you know, take care of my kids, be there for my wife. That's it. Awesome, man. Well, I, I have uh, just changed your, your name in my phone to David, just so you're oh. aware. Uh, that's what I was doing here. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Mr. David Hall. Appreciate that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Tough to, hey, some habits that are hard to break. But uh, yeah, anyway. No, it's well, okay. Like I said, it was, it's not a big deal. It's more the to, to communicate. <laughs> Things have changed, you know, since, I got since you. last time I talked to you. Yeah. No, no, uh, David, David's a solid name. It's my dad's name, so uh, awesome yeah. stuff. Uh, great name, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, great guy in the Bible, uh, and then I know two great Davids. So uh, anyway, yeah. actually three, David Carson, yeah, they're all, they're all great yeah. men. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, two kids now, uh, you know, kind of, it's, it's even. It's, uh, you know, you, you and Joan can each kind of. Uh, wrestle with one yeah. at times if necessary. Yeah. Is there any man, thoughts to man to man defense, man? That's what it's man to man defense. Any any yeah. any thoughts in in uh, maybe some more children uh, down the road? Yeah, you know me. I'm not good at zone coverage, man. You know, <laughs> I, I stay my stay my lane. You don't need. <laughs> it's good for now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Dave, we've come a long way since uh, you and I. I mean, we didn't even talk about this really, but man, our, our days. We were when we were in college, RHLA, and we had the junior high kids. We were we were like the pep band guys. We were crazy mm-hmm. at football games. I mean, we're just wild men. Uh, and, and I think we, we've both changed quite a bit since those days because we were right. we were all in. We were just lunatics at football games and trying to right. establish an atmosphere. But now we've all grown up and had our lives here. I couldn't. Now, be I, I wouldn't say grown up. I wouldn't say grown up. What's that? I, I, I think I wouldn't say grown up. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say, I would say if we were given that opportunity right now, we would be there, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, you're right about that. You're right about you get that. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an age thing or maturity thing. I think it's still in us, you know? Oh yeah. I just think, I just think our passions have brought us to something else. You know, you know what I mean? Oh man. Well said. That is, that is very well said, sir. Absolutely. Well, if we get a chance maybe down the road to, uh, uh, jump in the in the pep band student section or whatever uh, here down the road. I'm sure you and I will be uh, cheering nice and loud because you got that loud voice, man. I, I always appreciate yeah, that'd be that. Great. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, David, David, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on here. Oh man, that's gonna be tough, David Hong. But uh, thank you for coming yeah. on. I gotta see. Yeah, what, don't worry about it. I gotta see what the banner says, the championship banner. If it says Dave or David. So the the first one says David. The, my senior year says Dave. Interesting. If you could help me start a petition to change it, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. We'll see how many signatures I can get. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's hilarious. I, it's great that you know that. I said that. You're my kind of guy. You're like, yeah, well, one says this, one says that. No, that, that is hilarious that you knew that. That's it's funny that it's two different names, right? It's the same person, but two different names, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. What is going on? Come on, Rio, get it together. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, David, thank you for joining us. It's been so much fun. I, I could talk with you another hour. I really could. Cause there's uh, all kinds yeah, of fun so. topics, but I know you've got two kids to uh, get to, I'm sure here on this wonderful, beautiful Sunday where, where we are recording. You there? I'm still here. Yeah. Oh, no, okay, still good. Here. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I think, thanks for having me. I appreciate you know, just catching up. I mean, I think you're doing a great thing. Um, it's a little, it's actually, you know, sort of a highlight of, you know, whenever I can get a break um, to see what you got going on. So thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. 
again, I'm gonna hold you to getting Tim on this show. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think you guys will have some great talks outside of uh, your normal, uh, you know, real Hondo prep conversations. I think he brings a lot of uh, insights from the Arcadia high side of things, yeah. which I know he loves to share. Um, and sort of just the days that made a minute that you had with him. So I think he'd be, he'd be a great uh, uh, person to bring on. Oh, dude, absolutely. Anybody, uh, you know, he's, he would be an outstanding guest and a great chance, chance yeah. to catch up with him as well. So he is more than welcome. Let him know. We can do this. This is our second time doing it on Zoom. And I think that the Zoom way, the Zoom call is much better because you can see each other, have a conversation. And of course, uh, our audio would just will, will be the only thing posted. Uh, but yeah, Tim is more than welcome. So let him know. And uh, yeah, anytime. I got nothing going on right now, Dave. I'm, I'm one of those stay-at-home guys right now. So uh, for now, this is all I'm doing. So <laughs> anyway, let him know, man. Let him yeah. know. But well, yeah, th- thanks, Matt. Thanks for uh, letting me, you know, just spend some time talking to you, catching up. Um, it's been a long time, honestly. I haven't seen you in about ten plus years, I'd say. Dude, at least I mean, converse. I mean, you try to catch up and uh, see people's Instagram or Facebook. You try to follow people, but yeah, uh, over time passes. You're like, man, I haven't talked to that guy in forever. So this is a great opportunity right. to do this. I really appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, hopefully, let's not wait, let's not wait another ten years, man. Let's let's try to chat a little more often. Yes, sounds good. Let me know when you're free. Um, you know, give me a holler. We'll catch up again and do something else. You know, All right, man. Topic. Sounds great, David. Yeah. Well, we will uh, – we'll I'll teach ta- you how to make a pizza, you know, whatever. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm, I'm open yeah. to learn anything, man. <laughs> hey, my best to Joan and the kids, man. Uh, good luck to everything you guys are doing, and uh, couldn't be happier for you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. You take I'll, care, Matt. Have a good one, Dave. David. You too. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Take care. Bye. Thanks again, David Hong. A lot of fun catching up with you, chatting a little bit about everything, going down memory lane, uh, talking about where you've lived and all the great things you're up to. My best to you and Joan and the kids. Uh, Good luck in everything, man, and I hope we chat very, very soon. Thanks again for coming on the program. Well, guys, on Friday, we are going to be joined by Michael Frain. Michael Frain is a football official at the college level. He works primarily Division III, Michael actually was among a few of my other friends who actually worked the NCAA Division III National Championship a couple years ago, 2017. Uh, so he's got that on his resume. He does a really good job on the football field. He's very organized. He's prepared. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of football tomorrow and just officiating in general. He also does some college baseball uh, you know, a little bit here in the springtime. I think his, he, he, obviously there's more baseball games than there are football games, but he does a lot of football and I know he has great aspirations to climb the ladder and, uh, you know, get to division one and maybe higher someday. So I think he's motivated and he's someone that will kind of talk about what it's like climbing through the ranks and, uh, also what it's like moving to California from the Chicago area. He moved out here not too long ago, him and his wife, and they made a home out here. Uh, they also spent some time in Michigan. So we'll touch on all of that tomorrow. It should be a lot of fun. His uh, full-time job is as a Disney software engineer. So uh, you'll hear it all tomorrow in the interview, but he works as a guy. Any of you guys out there who have the ESPN app and you get those notifications, uh, breaking news or different notifications from your different sports. Well, uh, Michael's the guy who has a big hand in all that, uh, working as a Disney software engineer. So again, he'll talk on that. 
He'll talk about some of his experiences in his education, the different schools he's gone, uh, his career path. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you can join us tomorrow and tune in on the Get Home Safe podcast as we have one more show on Friday. And that will get us around third and get us home safe for the weekend. That is the plan. So be sure to join us tomorrow. Guys, thank you for tuning in today. A big thank you to David Hong again. Please enjoy a Major League Baseball start tonight. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, we'll see what happens in the near future. I really hope uh, these sports leagues don't anger too many fans out there because I do think fans are, are ready to support these sports leagues, and uh, we'll see what happens. That's all I'll say about it. Guys, as always, there's many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion on content, maybe some questions, or you want to challenge me on something, feel free to contact us through any of those social media platforms. Send us an email to our email address. That'd be great. If you use the Anchor app, you can go to the Anchor app or the Anchor website. You can leave a voice message if you'd like to do that. That's just another option, a ways that you can uh, touch base with us here at the Get Home Safe podcast. If you do use a voice message, we can play that audio on the air and then uh, either answer it or give a rebuttal, whatever the case may be. That's kind of how we're operating here. I continue to promote that in case anyone wants to get involved on the program. We got a great show for you tomorrow. Really excited about the interview with Michael Frayn. Then we will have a few days off over the weekend to recharge our batteries. And then we'll be back again on Monday for some more great episodes. Already have a full slate of guests lined up. I've been trying to stockpile some episodes, uh, some interviews, we'll say, left and right here. It's, it's great when people are accessible. People want to come on the show. They put aside time. Uh, set aside time to come on the program. I know everyone's busy and I really appreciate everyone who uh, sets aside time to come on this, this podcast. So thank you to those who have already recorded with me. Your episodes will be out shortly and I look forward to uh, anyone else who likes to come on here. We, uh, we all are welcome. Uh, we want to include our fans and include our listeners. So thanks to all of you for listening, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to us, we appreciate it. Anchor makes this very easy, or I should say much easier for a guy like me to do this podcast. So I appreciate them distributing our podcast out to various, various uh, platforms, we'll say. So guys, one more day, Friday, for those of you uh, on the work week schedule still, Monday through Friday, one more day. We hope you will make us part of your day tomorrow on Friday as we uh, get one more day of working, right? And uh, we're all trying to get to the weekend. So that is the plan for tomorrow. Be sure to tune in for a great show tomorrow with Michael Frayne. But guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Mm-hmm.